Hello, welcome back to Not The Top 20 podcast, the first for a while, the first in 2018, and we are thrilled to be back behind the mic. We are Ali Maxwell and George Ellick, and for the new listeners, well, we are talking EFL, that's what we do, that's what we have done, but not for a while, and just to quash any rumours, any worries, any murmurs, because there have been one or two, um, have we been appearing on other podcasts? Yes. Does increased imp- appearances on shows such as the excellent Totally Football Show with Ian McIntosh and Matt Stanger. Totally Sp- Football League Show. Totally say. Football League Show. Don't get above your station. No, not yet. <laughs> um, does that spell the end for Not The Top 20? Well, that's a resounding no. Um, it, it coincided with a spell where we physically couldn't do a podcast. George was out in Australia watching England get thrashed in the Ashes series. And it's very, very hard to record a podcast um, when someone is literally on the other side side of the world we're back now and from here on out uh, we'll be back doing the good stuff now it might not be weekly um we're finding it tougher this year i think it's fair to say but that's literally just logistical reasons uh, work schedules life schedules etc we still um are, are, are bang into this and uh, very much carrying on so now we've got that out of the way um we'll, we'll catch up on a bit of uh, bit of what we missed so um managers george there are uh, by my reckoning six new managers or six sacked managers uh, with one still we're not entirely sure about so we'll just rattle through that first of all gary monk was sacked uh, two days before christmas after they had beaten sheffield wednesday and replaced by tony pulis was this a fair sacking what is Tony Pulis like as a replacement? What do we think now about Middlesbrough going forward? So many questions. Um, yeah, well, we've got a lot to get through. So I, I think that it's a fair sacking. Um, I think if you listen to a fair few people before the season, this league was Middlesbrough to run away with it before it even started. I don't know if that's true. But having said that, um, I think that the fact that they got themselves into playoff contention isn't necessarily as Gary Monk thought it was, a, a feather in his cap. I think they must have underperformed uh, for the whole season so far. I think that Monk, as a manager, has had a torrid, torrid year. I mean, he started 2017 um, as one of the, you know, he'd rebuilt his reputation at Leeds. He was looking very good and, he, and he, you know, that, that collapse at Leeds followed by a, a pretty miserable few months at Middlesbrough means that he's not going to find another top-level championship job particularly soon, he wouldn't have thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the appointment of Pulis is interesting because it's a complete lack of vision I would say in terms of the Middlesbrough board I, th- I don't think the, the progress from Monk to Pulis is a natural one I think it shows that they're after someone who can get results and results alone rather than any kind of um, system um, but having said that he's someone who we know does get results whether or not I mean, he hasn't done in the championship for a while mm. um, he hasn't managed in the championship since he took Stoke into the Premier League all those years ago exactly so. and, and in that case you feel like his job being someone who's who's basically made a living out of out of taking small fish in big ponds and making them slightly bigger fish for a while. It's a different it's task. a different ball game, exactly. And and you wonder whether or not their backs to the wall um football that he likes to play will be successful. But having said that, think of Middlesbrough's promotion last time from the from the championship under Ito Karanka and that was exactly how they played and they I, did it I, for two seasons. I did laugh when he was appointed, I tweeted off at NTT twenty pod our excellent Twitter uh, account I tweeted this is the greatest Christmas gift that Rudy Justed could have been given obviously he hadn't played very much um, had, had been chucked on a bit by Monk when he'd really run out of ideas but otherwise was was not hugely in the frame and I was sort of half joking because 
I don't know whether I really expected him to go straight into the team, but that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, he is very much now, I mean, he started on the weekend ahead of a Samba Longa, uh, missed a one-on-one, miscontrolled another good opportunity, but he does offer exactly what you expect Tony Pulis to want from his striker. So um, that's interesting. I can imagine Britta Samba Longa being um, slightly bamboozled about that, but uh, we'll see how Borough continue. The, the team that they beat that day, Sheffield Wednesday, waited for, for the madness at Borough to die down or at least waited for all of about 24 hours and then sacked Carlos Carvalhal on Christmas Eve. Now, uh, we've been over it all so many times. No one who's ever listened to this podcast can possibly be in the dark about what we felt about Carlos Carvajal. So um, moving forward to his replacement, and we wish Carlos well as well uh, in Swansea because I think um, was always quite an, an entertaining interview and uh, certainly had some very good times at Sheffield Wednesday, but something wasn't quite right. Um, in Jos Lahukai, George, we, we've got a manager that... Um, is clearly not very well known uh, in the English game. I got my knowledge from a, a succession of tweets from Archie Rind Tut, who's a very good observer of the German game. Um, he's a Dutch coach, Lahukai, that spent most of his time in Germany, won a fair few promotions from the Zweite Bundesliga into the, the top tier. So has experience of that, um, although had been out of a job for over a year. And I think what we've seen so far from him is what we were told to expect um, uh, certainly not a hugely well I mean they switched to three at the back for his for his league game against Sheffield United and that was a, a removal from um, Carlos's very sort of standard structured 4-4-2 4-4-1-1 formation um, but we didn't see them create anything really in that game and, and that's fine you know it's not going to happen overnight and it's a squad that, that needs a bit of a kick up the arse and, and possibly over the next few weeks that'll be up to him to, to give but um, be interesting to see how he does I mean he's he's not quite in a relegation scrap but he's certainly nowhere near a, a promotion it's just, battle so it's just quite weird kind of on, on the face of it how similar the appointment is to Carvajal in terms of just like plucking these managers who yeah. have had no inkling of a job in a couple of years who've never managed in, the, in England before who I wonder whether pedigree, I, I do think I mean it, it's obviously that the board run by the decision makers not necessarily people who have their roots in English football and I do suspect that therefore they, they don't really care about someone who's necessarily been and done it in the English game and you do sometimes think and, and maybe I'm generalising Maybe I'm being xenophobic against British managers here, but I do wonder. <laughs> I do wonder whether whether foreign managers sometimes present themselves better. You know, when they get to interview stage, whether they they're possibly able to, um, yeah, as I say, put a presentation together that looks very impressive. I know that. I mean, Carlos Carvajal wrote a book, um, very sort of analytic and tactical heavy book. Um, you know, years ago. So he obviously went in hot, and and Luhuka has done the same. Nottingham Forest sacked Mark Warburton, George, and this one was a bit more of a surprise. Uh, but they've got Aitor Karanka in, and surely if you're in 15th, 16th in the Championship and you hire a manager that, that won promotion to the Premier League just 18 months previously, you know, that can be considered a coup of some sort. The big questions surround his style and whether Nottingham Forest's very now famous young squad uh, are the right fit for him. What do you think? It's it's certainly an issue. Um, I think that with, with Karanka, because because that one job that he's he's really kind of shown himself at Borough, I think it's hard to really know. I, I'm, basically, I'm saying I don't think he's going to go to Forest. I don't think he'd have got the job if 
he wasn't given a brief to make sure that that, that talent was, was used effectively. So well, there aren't really any other players. Exactly, so. <laughs> exactly. And, and to set up defensively would, would just basically be, be a massive error. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see. He's, he's certainly got, got the calibre and the quality. And I think that whilst um, Middlesbrough under Karanka in the championship were defensive minded and, and whilst the, the onus was on, was on kind of keeping goals out, they still were very good. Like, uh-huh. They were still very effective. They still picked up wins consistently and, and got, got the goals they needed to, to, to win games. A, so, bit, a bit like Lahukai, they're not in a relegation battle ye- particularly, although a terrible start could see them drop. Um, and they're not in, in a promotion battle. So again, you wonder sort of whether we'll talk about them much over the next few months because they get, they're not really going to be troubling the much. scorers yeah, yeah, at exactly. the top or the bottom. So maybe that's good for him. Maybe that gives him a bit more time, a bit more leash to settle in, uh, which other managers don't have. Now, Chris Lachetti's been sacked, George, at Berry, he was there for two months. Uh, in that period, Berry didn't score a single league goal. Not even once did he celebrate his team scoring a goal in the league. They did, they did bag one or two in cup competitions, but um, it was it, twelve and a half hours, though, wasn't it? I mean, it's an absolute mess, isn't it? And and Ryan Lowe and his mate uh, are back in till the end of the season now. Um, it's uh, I, I did I did sort of think it summed up the dysfunction of the club that. I'm sure, you know, I'm probably looking too much into this, but uh, two games ago, Ryan Lowe, sort of model professional for the last two decades in um, in the Football League, went in high and late on a goalkeeper and received a straight red card, which sort of doomed his club to, to another defeat. And now he's, he's in charge to the end of the season. So they look as good as gone. And um, he'd have to do something quite remarkable to turn it around. Phil Brown has been put Just on gone. gardening leave yeah. uh, today by Southend. Now, they have really fallen into uh, the, the relegation scrap. And the rumours are, or at least been reported by Alan Nixon, who, who's a reputable journalist when it comes to the, the sort of EFL uh, rumour mill. Uh, the, the, the suggestion is that Chris Powell will take over. Obviously played over 250 games for Southend, um, has managed at a higher level. Nice man in football. Nicest man in football. <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't seen much reaction from Southend fans, but, you know, it... I think it looks pretty positive from what I've seen on Twitter. Um, people responding to, to the news with, with glee mm. and, and the demand that they announce Powell as quickly as possible. So that would suggest that they're pretty happy about it. I think that, you know, he's been there for five years, um, Phil Brown. I think you and I have both said on many an occasion that he should probably have, have left Southend and he's proven us wrong consistently. Um, this season, it hasn't happened at all. Um, I saw Ben Mayhew's graph of their um, over and achievement compared to their XG showing that they were possibly fairly unlucky at the beginning of the season and that seems to have, have led to a, a kind of a confidence shortage which has meant that their performances have dipped um, and their results have continued to, to, to get worse. And they're in a position now where they're not really probably quite threatened by relegation yet but but they've got the squad and the capabilities to put a run together and at this stage of the season you'd think that a few wins on the trot and they'll be looking up rather than down so it's probably a good time to do it should pal be appointed that'll get a good reaction from the fans which is always nice to see uh, on the flip side a bit of an odd one down uh, or rather i should say in north london um, northwest london with Barnet, where Mark McGee, uh, it turns out, was never Barnet manager, despite the fact that he was more or less announced as such about two months ago. No, no, he was never manager. That's what we're led to believe. He was always just coming in to sort out the football side of things and just happened to, to run the team for a few months while they spent some time looking for a, a, a new proper head coach. Well, it took them two months and they found Graham Wesley, a man who Barnet fans almost to a man 
to spies uh, for his uh, for his spell with Stevenage, um, and who hasn't necessarily covered himself in glory in his last few jobs. Um, a lot of the Newport County players who played under him last season tweeting sort of pray for Barnet and I feel bad for their fans and you don't see that very often from professional footballers so uh, that is an interesting wrinkle an interesting caveat Barnet of course four points from safety at the bottom of league two Graham Wesley and Mark McGee the sort of uh, firefighters now trying to get them out of the league that'll be pretty impressive if they could and and, uh, we'll see if he can do the business or whether he just sort of leaves things in a heap like he did at Newport. Now that we've got managers out of the way, we'll talk about transfers, George. It's the transfer special, this podcast, because it's January. There's lots of business being done, but there's plenty more to be done, certainly, later on in the window. There's that feeling, isn't there, that um, at this stage... Teams are still, whether they're buying or selling, sort of scoping each other out, working out whether they can whether they can do better, whether they can get better value, whether they can hold off for more money, or whether um, whether you know they need to get other players in, whether they need to sell before they buy, all that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on on the January transfer window? Do you think that teams overdo it sometimes in January? Do you think that it has? a huge impact on how the second half of the season can go? Or do you think that actually this is a transfer window where it's harder to get you know, good value players? I think the lower down you go, the more important it is. Um, we see consistently in the Premier League, teams such as Spurs, for example, basically just don't entertain any business in January. And I think the reason for that is because there are fewer surprises. You go into a season effectively knowing your squad, you've got more strength and depth. The, the, the realistic need to strengthen or to sell is pretty low. Whereas... The further down the pyramid you go, um, as I've certainly known as an Oxford fan um, in, you know, throughout the time I've supported them, you'll get players in in the summer who just are categorically not what you thought they were. Um, and that's because of, obviously, the scouting systems are, are um, uh, you know, are less thorough. You'll know less about your players. Um, the players who they're replacing, you know, you have to replace them on the cheap. It's just, it's not as ideal. So I think for that reason, I think going into January basically every single team in the EFL will think that they need to do business because mm. they're going to have to make up for the, um, the players who, who probably have disappointed and they're also naturally going to lose players which they're going to have to replace as well. So I think for that reason, it, it's, it's fairly important and that's why we see so much business going on during January. It's become such a part of the culture as well. I feel like there's no set of fans in the land that would say, oh, I think we should just sort of keep it as it is. Even the teams that are doing well, you know, a Wolves might think, God, it'd be great to get another central striker for when Bonatini's not really firing. You know, it, it, it must be tough really because you've got to play Cape fans too. And also the natural thing is that the teams who are doing well are going be the one to get players poached off them so well the- yeah yeah it's interesting in league one at the moment the teams who have done the pretty much the most business so far are the top teams uh, Wigan getting in James Vaughan Jamie Walker um, although they have lost uh, Evans to Sheffield United um, and Blackburn have got in well Jack Payne who we'll talk about in a bit Adam Armstrong uh, on loan as well so th- it's almost there's a, while I agree with you that some of the teams who are doing better um, might might be less inclined to, to get you know, half a new team in. Um, it also appears that those who are doing well like to sort of put some insurance down, make sure that while yeah. they're doing well, they'd like they'd, they'd like to but do the, even better. At the same time, those are the two teams who 
are the richest in the league. Mm. You know, you're looking at Shrewsbury as the third team in that league and no surprise that they can't bring in the reinforcements that Wigan and Blackburn are. Well, and, and that effectively will probably be, you know, I think they're the two best teams anyway, but that's what's going to set them apart come the end of the season. There seems to be an increase this season and it's probably to do with, with the change in the way that the loan window worked of, of players going back halfway through the season. I, I was always under the impression, more or less, that the majority of EFL loans would be season-long loans, you know, barring disaster, barring them getting sent back because things weren't going well. But, but this January, almost all of the loans, it's been debated, will they go back to their parent club? And in, and in many cases, they have. So one example is Jack Payne. So on loan at Oxford for the first half of the season, probably your best player in the first half of the season. It goes back to Huddersfield uh, last week and within a day or two is pitched up at Blackburn on loan. So, you know, what, I think, what's that all about? I think the reason why they have now these season-long loans with a recall option is because emergency loans basically aren't allowed. Mm. So short-term loans aren't really don't really exist. So mm. therefore you're going to naturally do a season-long loan, but you're going to have that clause in there where both either the parent club or the, or the, the loaning club can make the decision to, to terminate it. Is that a bit rubbish? Um, losing your best player, he it's pitches a up a, 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 a rival club in the same division but just then, a couple of days later. That's what's going to happen when you loan someone. Um, that's our fault. Well, I mean, not necessarily our fault, but that's our, it was our decision to, to get in a player with that clause. Um, I think the reason why Payne has gone, I guess there are two reasons. I guess one is because um, Blackburn are probably got him on loan with a view to buying him at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, Huddersfield just bought Pritchard, obviously, for, no for, for 12 for million. Yeah. And they, you know, they're going to want to cash in on him basically, and, and giving him to a much richer club, who are probably going to be in the championship next season, is going to be a better call. And also because we changed formation three weeks ago, and he's been playing on the wing. And as um, as I spoke to someone on Twitter today, Huddersfield don't play with wingers, so mm. for his development, if on, on the off chance they are going to stick with him or more likely sell him in a shop window they're going to want him playing 10 and not, not on the wing well I'll be very interested to see how, how Tony Mowbray can crowbar him and Bradley Dack in a team with Adam Armstrong with Danny Graham with all of those other players an, an embarrassment of riches for League One level it must be said but we will just flick through some of the big transfers that have taken place in the championship so far in the first half of the window Wolves have added Raphael Mir we were told that Real Madrid were in for him um, I didn't really understand that I wondered whether maybe that was for their B team Castilla um, but, but possibly not I mean we've not seen much of him in a Wolves shirt um, I, I suppose when you're signing a player from Valencia that is supposedly wanted elsewhere then that's very impressive he's obviously um, you know from Valencia a team heavily influenced like um, like Wolves like formerly like Monaco and, and, and Porto as well by George Mendes and that will be a big part of um of this move he, he was he was playing or at least he got a chance to play a little bit under Nuno when Nuno was manager of Valencia so he comes to give Bonatini that sort of competition up top and up top for Derby now that you know on paper with Nugent Martin Bent Winnell they already had a fair few uh, strikers that's not including players like Vidra uh, and Russell and Lawrence who, who play sort of behind a front man but Cameron Jerome's joined for 1.5 million Luke said on Twitter George that this is a very Rowett signing hopefully a Kenwin Jones at Bournemouth type figure just score that one goal that takes us up now <laughs> I'm a bit baffled about this one can you shed any light on why Gary Rowett wanted Cameron Jerome at Derby I, th- I don't think he's a bad player um, I, I, I can't see the the you know huge appeal of it but at the same time he's a he's a decent target man for whatever reason Chris Martin obviously doesn't really fit into Rowett's um, plan he hasn't had a very good season he's not in very good form 
And I think that whilst he may not score as many goals as Martin, although Martin's goal scoring record, I always think, is a bit blown out of proportion by, by penalties. But mm. um, but I think Jerome will be a good battering ram at the top end of the pitch. He, he'll, he'll get them fighting up there. The ball will stick to his feet. I mean, it, it's sometimes. Some, <laughs> his, so, first sometimes touch, I mean, his first touch is, uh, is, is lively. Yeah, but I think, you know, he's a player who, who's not over the hill and has had a, a fair crack at the Premier League before. And, you know, for whatever reason, it hasn't re- really been working at Norwich this season. But I don't think it's, it's the worst signing. It's just a bit, of a, mm. a bit of a meh signing, I'd say. Yeah, it's better than signing Jordan Rhodes for £10 million to it get is. you promoted it and, is. and, and then failing. But yeah. uh, we won't bang on about that anymore because Carlos is gone. Um, and um, yeah, I suppose one of the reasons I find it a bit odd, and this is just what happens these days because of uh, of, of the riches of the Premier League. But, but you know... If, if they get promoted, there's no way he's going to play a single minute of Premier League football next no. year. He'll, he'll come back down to the Championship, and possibly for the same amount of money they paid for him, possibly for less, possibly for more. But it just seems, I suppose there's nothing wrong with, short, with short-term thinking at times. But I was a bit surprised that they didn't sort of push the boat out and try and get someone else in. Uh, but, but fair enough, uh, that's clearly my own sort of... Um, uh, prejudices against Jerome I just think I don't know I remember a goal last season where um, where the ball just got punted onto his face and into the goal and that, that sort of <laughs> kind of summed him up for me to be honest to but, see um, a, a, a Derby fan replied to the announcement saying dreadful sign, signing clumsy chance misser and Derby just, repeat, just replied with a gif of his goal against Liverpool yeah, which was a very good goal about a decade ago. Um, fair <laughs> enough, we'll move on. Cardiff are up there still. Uh, they've signed Marco Grujic on loan from Liverpool. A pretty highly rated young player, as far as I can tell. He'll bolster up their midfield. And Yannick Wildschut, who, who offers a bit of respite to Hoylett and Mendes Lang, who really have been sort of played into the ground by, uh, by Warnock this season. So some nice options for them. Sheffield United have done a lot of business already. So Alex Smith got in touch to ask us what we thought about their January business. George, Ricky Holmes, Lee Evans, uh, Ryan Leonard. Now those three have come from League One clubs and then James Wilson on loan from Manchester United, of course. Uh, some thoughts on some of those I mean Ricky Holmes probably I think Holmes and Leonard are great signings do you really so we've been asked by top boy Blade can Ricky Holmes cut it in the championship absolutely yeah Yeah, without question he's probably in the top three players I've seen this season live um, for Charlton he's he's absolute class he's way way too good a footballer to playing League One football I mean he's not necessarily the right age you'd be wanting to buy someone uh, for the championship but he he may not be you know he may not be as athletic as, as, as some other players who are a bit younger but at the same mm. time he's probably playing the best football he's ever played in his career because he came from effectively nowhere um, I think he's class it'd be I interesting mean. to see where they find space for him in their team obviously sort of 3-5-2 uh, it seems to have been Wilder's way since he's been there it's, it's, it doesn't matter I suppose Duffy was, was meant to be a, was he meant to be a winger and now yeah. he plays I mean, plays in the hole they don't, they don't buy for where they need I think the, the tactic which is fair enough is just if you can find a player who's better than what you've got get him mm. um, and, or, or as good as what you've got and I think that personally um, I think getting Holmes in would be a no-brainer for, for most teams in that league remember Nathan Thomas uh, it was such a such a bright young thing at Hartlepool, and he went and joined Sheffield United in the summer. He's right. barely played a single minute. Paul Ladd, I'd like to see him uh, saved by a club on loan this January and, and and take him somewhere. Let him play football. He's a lovely player as well. Bristol City <laughs> are trying to uh, trying desperately to get some fresh legs in because boy have they had a hell of a Christmas period. A run of wins followed by a run of losses in the league. But obviously the headline news being an unbelievable win against Manchester United and uh, just a fantastic performance against Man City in the first leg of the Carabao Cup semi-final that they lost 
uh, basically with the last kick of the game, but uh, sort of won the hearts of a nation. Um, they've added Ryan Kent on loan from Liverpool. Uh, we've seen him obviously at this level before with Barnsley last season, and he had a bit of an odd few months out in Germany. I think it was Freiburg he went and joined for a bit, but that clearly hasn't worked out. So, so he's he's gone down to where he knows, you know, uh, the Championship. He's a he's a pacey winger, great dribbling um, ability, two good feet. So that, that'll be a nice addition for Lee Johnson and Liam Walsh as well, who seems to be impressing everyone straight away, uh, who's joined, I think, from Everton. Uh, Brentford, they signed Emiliano Marcondes, and he is a really interesting this player. so fun. He's, he sounds like an Argentinian, George, but he's come over from Denmark, is he? Yeah, it? he's Danish. Why, why should we be getting so excited about him? So this is, I mean, I'm sure lots of people listening would have seen the, the YouTube video where they, um, I think it was actually his agent who, who sorted it out, um, where they filmed him coming over to to West London in, in, in the summer and talking to Matthew Benham and Dean Smith and Andy Scott and all the guys at Brentford and, and showing kind of the thought process that went through his head whilst he was making the decision whether to sign for Brentford or to sign for Bronby, um, you know, who are probably the biggest Danish club. I mean, they're like the Manchester United of Denmark, I'd say, in mm. terms of their, their prestige, even if they're not the top of the league now. Um, and he chose Brentford. And that has since has looked like an absolutely ridiculous piece of business because he scored, I think it's 19 goals in 24 games or something this season. Incredible. For, he's basically... For Nor- he's basically been the MVP of that league. He, uh, um, in- and they've got him on a free because his, his contract ran, runs out in January. So, so I think no money paid, maybe some compo, I'm not really sure. But this is a guy who, you know, if we're honest, if he hadn't made a decision in, in June and was, his signature was up for sale now, make, make, no mistakes, make, make no mistake, he'd be going to a, a, a top-tier team somewhere in Europe, whether or not the Premier League or somewhere else. He wouldn't be at Brentford. Um, and there's a great moment in the video where Andy Scott says to him, you know, we think that you can improve your finishing. We think that, personally, you can score a lot more goals. And at that time, he'd never been prolific. I think he scored nine, season, nine goals a season before, age 22. And since they've made him sign on the line, he's turned into this prolific goal scorer. And that is exactly what Brentford need as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you and I have, have got excited about Brentford signings in the past that have, have, have ended up not being quite so... Well, no, that's harsh. <laughs> that's but that's pretty harsh, I no, think. But no, but even, even <laughs> someone like Morpé, who, who, yeah. who we tipped up to be top goal scorer, has proven to be just as wasteful as, as, as some of the other guys. So Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I, I, not to bow too much at the altar of, of our of our of our good friend Ted Knutson, but he, he tweeted uh, Mopai's stats, his radar uh, this season showing his numbers and, and made a very good point that the kid is still twenty one years of age and actually yeah. uh, can, compared to other twenty one year olds in the championship is, is doing very well. Yeah, so yeah, while we may have had higher expectations for him, there's still a, a lot to grow into for Neil Mopai. So a really exciting signing Marcondes and you're right, he's he's I was going to say he's doubled his value since they confirmed the transfer, but if they've got him for free, I mean, he's basically, you, you, you know, it, they could sell him now probably for five million quid. Least, it's absolutely yeah, incredible. Thought, yeah. um, Eddie Howe was there on the weekend, George. He was watching uh, Woods, apparently Ryan Woods, who's just the most wonderful player at the base of Brentford's midfield. So uh, James has asked us, uh, with Brentford three points off the playoffs, is this the window that Brentford finally make good on the promise to make a run at promotion and don't sell our best players. Now, first of all, I don't know if that's a promise that they made. I mean, if they made a promise to make a run at promotion, then then they are sort of doing that at this stage. I think that's fair to say. When it comes to selling players, I, I think I'm right in saying that they basically all have their price at that club. Do you reckon Mark Condes was really concerned in kind of the end of September when he was top scoring the Danish league and Brentford were like looking down at... <laughs> 
think he probably was. Uh, yeah, I think that, I mean, last season, end of January, Brentford, sell Scott Hogan, the whole club are devastated. They saw the best player and they end up going on a massive run towards the end of the season. I think that we can probably, knowing Matthew Benham as well, in this position, every player will have their price. And, and if they do sell someone like Woods, I'm pretty sure it won't be a case of them not making good on their promise to um, achieve promotion. Six million be, quid seems, seems be, low, though. It'll be because me. they think that they can do better and it'll be because then they think they can reinvest and they think that they can still have a crack at it. I, um, I, if I was Woods, I wouldn't move. I think that Bournemouth are on borrowed time in the Premier League and, and won't be there in a couple of years' time, whereas Brentford have the capability to do so. So it'll be interesting to see. Very, very interesting. Preston are another team whose whose recruitment we've sort of um, shone a light on over the last year or two, and uh, they've made some interesting moves here. Lewis Malt, uh, who, who's really been lighting up the SPL for the last year, uh, year and a half, he, he came down and joined Preston. I think some in, in Scotland probably raised their eyebrows there, possibly not realising that, that Preston are, are, are very much a top 10 team in this division, and... and putting a little squeeze onto the playoff places, although uh, always seeming to fall just short just when they're getting towards it. But, um, you know, just two points off the playoffs at the moment and Lewis Maltz going to give them some serious firepower. And then Billy Bowden as well signed from, from Bristol Rovers. Now, I suppose in one sense, a player from a lower league that, they, that they've picked up, which is not abnormal, but he's not particularly young, Bowden. And I, I have some... I'm not, I'm not convinced with you, Yeah, I've got some concerns about him playing at championship level. But then again, I've got concerns about Ricky Hogan as well so I'm you know I might be completely off the mark with both of them one thing's for sure excellent left foot has scored some wonderful goals this season I'm just not sure he adds that much to their team personally. I agree I think both of them are fairly uh, obvious signings that makes sense mm-hmm. it's almost they're kind of like football manager signings just click on goals and then just click on the player and then who's available <laughs> who's interested who's in your budget and just go for it yeah um, but apparently they're not getting Ryan Ledson reported today which is right. exciting we're going to touch on yellows in a bit so, so just hold <laughs> off there uh, Norwich who lost Alex Pritchard to Huddersfield for 12 million quid which struck me uh, as being a, a pretty good deal for everyone really I think he'll I think he'll offer something a little bit different for Huddersfield um, a bit more ball playing ability higher up the pitch with Moy tending to dictate from deep I think that it gives Madison obviously he, he is now the undoubted prince of Carrow Road um, and, and gives them the sort of time really and the money crucially to not have to sell him in this window um, and, and then they've been able to add Marcus Edwards on loan from Spurs he's a really interesting player Edwards because he, he's very very small he's recognisable because he's a, he's a superb dribbler um, Dan Kilpatrick who covers uh, Spurs for ESPN I asked him about what we can expect from Edwards and he said well he, he usually plays on the right and likes to cut inside on his left foot um, I think uh, Pritchard was tending to play on the left cutting in on his right uh, he has a low centre of gravity is a superb dribbler can finish and is good at set pieces and Pochettino has compared him to Messi so so no pressure then but like with a lot of these Premier League loanies there's a lot of talk of potential and, and we'll, we won't know really until we see him um, how good he'll be when he's being kicked up in the air by, you yeah, know, by the Bolton back four I think it's pretty risky free um you know he they struggled to shoehorn Pritchard Madison into their team anyway and I think that he'll probably be an impact player to start with and if he's as good as as they hope then he can obviously take some of the um the burden off off Madison's shoulders and Barnsley in another signing that sort of just made sense picked up Kiefer Moore he was obviously one of the top scorers in League One in the first half of the season almost rocked up at Peterborough where he would have joined up with uh, Marriott who's the other top scorer in League One uh, and the manager of Peterborough McCann was the one that, that said no this is this is too much money 
I don't want it. I thought that was pretty unusual. Anyway, he's rocked up at Barnsley. Um, they are just above the relegation zone. Went on a terrible run, but I think they've had three draws and a win in their last four, so possibly turning it around. And by all accounts, he looked very good when he came on uh, on the weekend. Is there a place for, for Kiefer Moore in the Championship? I, I, I don't know, personally. I, I feel like his... Um, time or his, his struggles to break into an Ipswich, pretty poor Ipswich team um, concerns me more than, than six good months getting on the end of crosses at, at Rotherham. But mm. we'll see. Apparently he made a decent debut, so may, fe- maybe for the right for the right club there is. I fear a bit for Rotherham's promotion hopes off the back of this. They, they've signed Michael Smith from Berry to replace him, another tall target man striker, but, but I mean, I mean half the player for me. But... Yeah. Or half the goal scorer well, at least. Yeah, but then Kiefer Moore's goal scoring record was never very good before Rotherham either. Even at Forest Green, he didn't really score goals. Mm. So, you know, maybe that they've got a system where Warren thinks that you know all they need is someone whose movement's half decent, who can get on the end of crosses and help score goals. Mm. I mean, there are players like that. Like even someone like Tom Pope had such a weird goal scoring record where he, he wouldn't score many goals, then he'd play in a system that suited him and he'd score like forty in a season. Mm. And maybe maybe Rotherham's that team where where they've got all the, you know, it doesn't take a, a top-level striker to score lots of goals because, you know, the, they're capable of creating those chances. I mm. don't know. I'm, I'm just wondering because yeah. Kiefer Moore, his, his goal scoring record before the season certainly wasn't much to, to take note of. Yeah, that, that, that's fair enough. So at the top of League One, we touched on Wigan with James Vaughan and Jamie Walker. On Blackburn with Jack Payne and Adam Armstrong, both both sort of eye-catching additions for both of those teams. Shrewsbury, in their attempt to stay up there, well, one of the things that they've lost in the last few months, um, they haven't been losing many games is for sure, but just in terms of uh, recreating what happened at the start of the season was an injury to Junior Brown, the left-back, that meant that everyone sort of got slightly shifted uh, in order to, to, to compensate for that. So what have they done? Well, they've picked out one of the most exciting fullbacks from the Championship, Max Lowe, uh, on loan from Derby. He's played a fair amount of minutes for Derby in the last few seasons. Now, Forsyth, back from injury, has made that left-back spot his own. So Rowett's happy to let Max Lowe go and play at Shrewsbury. I think this could be very shrewd for the Shrews because I think that he's (laughs) an exciting young player. And also, not only that, but just in terms of getting a proper left-back in to, to, to do similar things to what Junior Brown was doing at the start of the season and sort of go back to that very settled side. Shrewsbury continuing to impress. Uh, and then let's talk about Oxford, because actually, regardless of our, our own yellow bias, they probably had the most interesting um, transfer window so far in League One. So um, obviously lost Jack Payne, but uh, they've added Rob Dickey, who was on loan at Lincoln, first half of the season, a centre-back. Cameron Brannigan, uh, and uh, Buckley Ricketts on loan from Man City. So there's a bit of everything there, George, but it's all sort of uh, part of a type, isn't it? I think there's a collective sigh of relief amongst Oxford fans that we've we've shopped at home. You know, we've gone back to the model that gave us players like Lundstrom and Ledson and Roof, which is just looking around. Are you saying that you've been uh, under-impressed with Agon, Mehmeti, Ivo, Pukowski and well, Gino you, Van Kessel? You've chosen two players there who've hardly played. Gino, I'm not, I'm, you know, he's, he's actually kind of turned on a bit recently. But... Um, uh, it's just nice because it's, it's what's got us here um, is getting these players who you know maybe aren't quite good enough to make it at the top level mm. um, but have obvious potential and we, we are able to give them time to flourish into the players that they could be and I think that Dickey is an interesting one because he's played a lot of football played for Cheltenham uh, on loan when he was a teenager and got them promoted into the Football League again um, done good things with Lincoln um, apparently he's very very comfortable on the ball very tall as well mm-hmm. um, with Curtis Nelson injured so we, we need a reinforcement to centre back because Aaron Martin and, and Mike Williamson both really struggle um, so Messina is the only really one who can, can rely on 
Um, and so that's great. Very, very excited with him. A bit of a concern that Reading were happy to let him go, really. But at the same time, he's 21 and, and we paid a fee for him. So mm. so you don't know what happened there. Um, Cameron Brannigan, Br- Brannigan. Uh, the, the headlines are saying he was once looked at by Real Madrid and Barcelona who wanted to poach him off Liverpool. Is that one of those silly ones where you know someone's been asked to write an article about the Football League and they've sort of just done a quick Google and seen an old article from The Sun from four years ago yeah. and, and run with it? I mean, but, sure, but does that, as an Oxford fan, do you go like, oh, how exciting. Well, I'm he, sure he, he could have been bought by Real Madrid. He played like eight times in, in Klopp's first season. And I think that any 18-year-old playing centre midfield for a, for a top-tier team is probably going to be looked at by every single other top-tier team as well. So <laughs> it's not a surprise. Um, I know that, well... I know the club have been keen on him, keen on him for for a while. I think I think we were in for him in the summer, um, and I think that the expectation or hope is that he's going to be very very good. So so we're excited for him. What's the situation with Ryan Ledson? Because there's been a lot of speculation about him. Oxford, another team, not averse to selling a player at the right price, uh, a very important player for the team. But you know, in your situation at the moment, where you probably consider that the playoff might be a long shot you know is there a sense that they might let him go now because there's not a huge amount to play for or, or do you I'm not sure, have... I'm sure we'd let him go if they match the valuation it seems to me like Preston have played a dirty little game here where they're using the local press using the national press to leak that they've had a bid to leak that he's very keen but I think from the sounds of things it's just Oxford saying you know we don't want to sell him for what you're offering and, and they almost expect us to roll over like the uh, you know, a national journalist tweeting saying Ryan Ledson really wants to leave the club is, is, mm. is bizarre. Mm. It wasn't linked to a story or anything. And that suggests it's just them, you know, frankly, they can do one, to be honest, because it suggests that they're just trying to um, force Oxford's hand. So good mm. on us for saying no. Um, maybe he will leave um, by the end of the end of the month. But How much did you get for, for Lundstrom? About 750 I think. But you'd you'd want to get a bit more, in his, wouldn't you? In his last year. Yeah. We, we, Ledson's contract runs until next summer, so there's no need okay. to sell at the moment. Um, in the summer, I'm sure we'd still get exactly the same, probably similar amount of money as we get from now. Ooh. So I think the rumours are about £500,000 they've offered, and that, to be fair, is, is nowhere near it. I think they'd probably have to go towards a million to get him. And, and I'm sure as well, to be honest, for, uh, for Preston, similar to Marvin Johnson, I think as soon as an offer was accepted, I think Preston would probably get gazumped by someone else. Two or three, actually, interesting loans that have caught my eye. Connor Ronan from Wolves to Pompey, a player that Wolves fans love, uh, probably wish could play more, but recognise that in their current state, uh, he won't be getting too many minutes, but uh, um, really impressed against Man City in the Carabao Cup earlier in the season. I think uh, joining a, a Pompey side in some form, uh, this could be a really nice uh, deal for, for both player and club. MK Dons have picked up EK Ugbo from Chelsea on loan, very disappointing in fairly limited minutes at Barnsley, but um, definitely, uh, you know, a, a prolific goal scorer at youth level uh, in the same way that Tammy Abraham and, and, and Solanke were. So needs to prove it now uh, down in League One. And boy, do MK Dons need goals. They've added Marcus Tavernier as well, highly rated Middlesbrough uh, young player who scored, of course, earlier in the season against Sunderland. So that's what they're up to, trying to add young firepower. I, 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 I kind of assume one of them will end up doing quite well. So it'll be interesting to see which one. And Northampton have been busy, just like they were in the summer, uh, which didn't go very well. They are now adding some new faces. Hildeberto Pereira, the most eye-catching for me. He was uh, he was on loan at Forest last season, where he was he was quite entertaining. Got sent off a lot, scored a couple, had great hair. Um, he, he set up a great goal uh, in his first game for Northampton off the bench. They brought in Richard O'Donnell, the goalie as well, and Joe Bunny from uh, at left back. 
uh, Jordan Turnbull and Shea Facey. So five additions already for Northampton as they try and get out of the League One relegation battle, which is which is pretty grim at the moment, as always. Um, quick word on Plymouth, George, uh, and um, just to, to make you... Uh, to make sure that the listeners know that, that you are a shrewdly, that you do know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> you liked Plymouth uh, anti-post. You liked him before the start of the season. Things did not start well, but you never gave up hope. You kept saying, you know, you know, I'm still backing them. They're still a good price. And and, and um, now... And I've just about broken even, I think. And now you've just about <laughs> broken even. They've, they've gone from bottom of the league to 12th in about six weeks. And um, but everything you said is coming true. You must be pretty happy about that. they've lost to Marnie, which I think is a, is a big, big issue, sadly. Um, I think losing Diagraga is going to be a bit of a blow for them. But hopefully his... Um, you know his his arrival at the club, coupled with Carey's um, return to fitness, propelled them up, up the league, and hopefully they've now got the kind of belief. And Ryan Taylor as well, I think, has played a role in it as well. Yeah, I was um, going to say a word for you. Love Ryan Taylor, and yeah. he's doing exactly what he did for Oxford at League Two level for Plymouth, just linking everything together. Again, not scoring many goals, he's but a you, lovely you see how he's bringing Carey and Lamirez into play. He's yeah. a huge part of it. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think they hopefully should be safe now, um, and I'm, I'm happy they they retain their faith in the manager because he certainly deserved it and I think it would have been very easy for them to, to pull the trigger a couple of months ago um, oh. and hopefully they can my bank balance can, can, can end up in the top half <laughs> not, not, a, not a massive amount of, um, of transfer news in League 2 there's obviously a lot of loans as you can expect but uh, I, see, I know, you know we follow Andy Holt who's the Accrington chairman on Twitter and I, and I would recommend everyone follow him because he really does give a, an honest insight into life as a chairman at that level and, and the difficulties of it and the job Boys, etc. He's a he's a great follow, but he's always said that you know for a team like Accrington and a lot of League Two teams, you do wait until the end of the window. You have to wait for the the teams higher up in the food chain to basically work out their own business and work out which players they're all right uh, to let go either on loan or permanently. And that's when the teams at League Two will do their business. But uh, Cy Watts, who's a great friend of the pod, he he was watching Wickham on the weekend and and picked out Tafari Moore and Nathan McGinley, who Wickham have brought in on loan from Arsenal and Middlesbrough respectively Tafari Moore did this incredible run from right back where he beat four men um, but couldn't finish uh, but you know really caught the eye and McGinley was was a rock at the back threw himself into everything so um, uh, you know Wickham still on really good form and I must say you know you picked it before the start of the season where I had my doubts about the size of their squad but God, Gareth Ainsworth is getting the most out of it. So still up there, as are a lot of teams. Lincoln, I think, are a really intriguing prospect in the second half of the season. Um, they lost both of their, their real first-choice centre-backs. Uh, Dickey, who's rocked up at Oxford via Reading, and uh, Sean Raggett, of course, star player, really. He has gone to Norwich, his parent club. But they've got Bostwick, who can move back like he did on the weekend. Probably not ideal for him to play centre-back. Uh, he's, he's so good both at centre-back and in midfield. Um, but, of course, they've got waterfall as well and they'll, they'll probably be adding someone else to play at the back but what they have added Danny Rowe on loan from Ipswich um, a sort of direct winger who was brilliant on debut was basically a huge part of their two goals against Notts County who looks exceptional um, and Lee Frecklington probably an even bigger signing for them you know the type of player that they've been able to to tempt back because it's, it's you know it's the club where he started his career and he scored on debut and I just think with with Frecklington and Bostwick they're a very intriguing 
prospect. Indeed, we had a, a, an email from Jimmy K, who goes by UK Betting Pro on Twitter, and is, is definitely well worth a follow. He was at Lincoln, Notts County, um, and, and you know Lincoln probably deserved the win on balance of play against a very good Notts County team. So, um, from what he saw, he, he reckons that Lincoln could be good for an automatic promotion finish and. As I saw when I checked odds checker for the best prices on this, <laughs> you can still get seven to two if you like Lincoln to finish top three, and you can get nine to one on a Luton Lincoln straight forecast first and second, which I think could be quite interesting. So, just in terms of nice, you know, small bets for us to follow, that will be certainly one that I'm keeping my eye on. Um, and George, finally, Forest Green right down there with Barnet and Chesterfield when January started. Um, they've added or been able to add Rawson, Gunning, R- Reuben Reed, and then uh, they all started within two days of joining, which you know tells you what you needed to know about how Mark Cooper thought his squad was performing. Since then, they've added Hayden Hollis and Alex Whittle. Um, they're, they're a rich club, aren't they, Forest Green, compared to some down there, and, and they're, they're probably... This, this will probably be the difference between them getting relegated or not. Well, I think this is, it's easy to look in from the outside, not knowing much about it and, and not be surprised to see Forest Green down at the bottom, but I think they'll be surprised. Um, I think beginning the season, they wouldn't have expected to be in, embroiled in a relegation battle. And it's, it's very nice for Mark Cooper to get these funds. I'm not sure he's necessarily yeah. deserving of them well, but, after, after a very poor first half you know, of the season. It's a huge, huge achievement for them to get there. But as you say, that they're, they're not poor. Um, it's not a kind of a massive... Um, I was going to say rags to riches, but that's exactly what it is. It's more like, you know, it's not an amazing story because realistically that they invested enough to, to get there. Um, and so now having got to the, to the league, it's, it's no surprise to see them spending to try and ensure that they can stay there. Yeah, lastly, uh, an interesting one to keep an eye on. The, the best player in League Two for the last month or two has been Sammy Smodix, who's come back from injury, got himself fit and just absolutely lighting it up, uh, playing number 10 for Colchester. Now, he's been heavily linked with a move away and Colchester are a team that, that probably will let a player go f- for a good price. Now, they'll be very sad, of course, if Smodix does leave. I've seen him linked with Bournemouth uh, of the Premier league now very rare that you see a player go from league two to premier league level and you know it would be incredibly exciting to see if he were to get any game time it obviously seems unlikely that he would but um you know it'd be nice to see him move up to league one or or, or potentially the championship so that we can keep keeping an eye on him because i've been absolutely blown away by by some of his long-range shooting some of his passing in the last month or two so definitely one to keep an eye on i think that's it from us thank you so much for listening thank you so much for your patience over the last month or so Uh, it won't be another month until the next one and so please please keep us in your podcast list we will continue to bring you the good stuff you can follow us on twitter at ntt20 pod and we really hope you enjoy the show we hope that you might find the time to to share it uh, on twitter on facebook however you can Uh, share it with your friends pop a link on a forum that they can be really really helpful for us getting the word spread out to other efl fans so um, you know thank you very much and until next time it's goodbye